Welcome to Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast. Join us as we take a deep dive into the world of romance and erotic fiction and have candid and hilarious conversations about sex, sexuality, and hidden fantasies. Please note that each of our episodes will contain explicit content and language and lots of spoilers, so please listen at your own discretion. Now grab your books and vibrators and welcome to the club. I wish everyone could see us dancing as we listen to our own theme song of Amanda singing erotically neurotic because that's what we're doing at this moment. Especially while I have this like little, I think this is your son's blanket wrapped around my shoulders like a little a peasant <laughs> caught in the cold. I mean, it is pretty cold out here. It's really cold, but I like it. So welcome to Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast, episode five. I think it's five. I think it's episode five. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. It has, yeah, but in that time we released our first episode. Yes. We've had <laughs> a whopping 20 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> to me, that's viral. Honestly, we're fucking famous. I think we made it. <laughs> I honestly think we made it. We're double digits. We're double digits. I mean. Twice over. <laughs> Uh, so we really win, and we're super excited. Yeah. We had, like, you know, it took us a while to figure out Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Being 33 years old and Googling, like, how do you go down to the next space in Instagram? Like, we are not Gen Z, that is for sure. How do you hashtag? So now we're back to the fun part, which is just getting to talk about these freaking books. Yeah. That's so all we want to do. We didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Amanda. I'm Kayla. And this is erotically neurotic. <laughs> so we have to start with our rose and thorn. Again, yes. based off of one of our favorite books ever, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Mm-hmm. One day we will cover that, but it's highly covered. So we're just going to wait. Yeah. That's got to be like a really special one. Very special. Yeah. So, Amanda. My rose and thorn? Yeah. Um, well, I would say for the rose, we've actually gotten a lot of really positive feedback from people about our episode. Yes. Um, that felt really good. I kind of thought it was going to be one of those things where everyone said, oh, I'll totally listen. And then like, not actually. (laughs) (laughs) But people really listened to it. And I got a lot of feedback from family, which is both amazing and also uh, hilarious. That's so nice that your family cares enough to listen. (laughs) Shockingly, all of their feedback jumped over any of our sex related conversations, (laughs) except for my one sister who said, um, I recommend not letting dad listen to this. Let him support you in a different way. <laughs> I, was like, I wasn't planning on... Agreed, agreed. I don't think, A, he knows what Spotify is, and B, <laughs> was I ever planning on having him listen to it. Very but, true. But, you know, we'll tuck that away. Yep. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that was a really, really good rose, I think. Just, like, really positive feedback we got from people. I know, I totally agree. Even yeah. my my cousin listened and said she was going to read... Mr. Fixer Upper for the next episode so that she yeah. can follow along. And I'm like, oh my God. So you're welcome, Lucy Score. I know. Someone's actually like going to read and listen. Yeah. What? I know. We should get a fraction of the $8 it takes to buy it on <laughs> Kindle or whatever it costs. That was very exciting. Yeah. Um, and then my thorn, I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this today, but then I was thinking like, I don't know. I think it's important to talk about. You know this for the past couple of years I've been dealing with. Um, like non-stop like hormone related issues some doctors or specialists thinking it's thyroid related I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism for a while Hashimoto's low progesterone low estrogen I mean I've been like told I have everything there was a while when I was vegan and not eating gluten not eating nightshades I mean I've done like everything possible and I cannot figure out this hormone stuff so that's just like continued on. I finally was put on birth control to help with the hormone regulation, but now that's having all these side effects. So a thorn that has just kind of been coming, like affecting me, but in all these different iterations um, is now coming up in this kind of new and improved way, which has just been frustrating. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I wasn't originally going to talk about that because it's like a little private, also maybe not that interesting, but I also have found like 
talking to women in my life, more often than not, women are experiencing these symptoms like chronic fatigue. That's like a really big one. Um, low mood, low libido, like all this stuff. And doctors just don't really seem to have any idea what's going on because women yeah. are like not researched Yeah, because we get periods. And so that kind of kicks us out of the, the research group because we're so unpredictable. Um, and it's just really frustrating, but it's like also really validating to hear other women openly talk about the struggle. Yeah. So yeah, that's been my thorn. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I'm, and you. I'm glad you shared that too. Cause I think you're right. So many more women relate than we probably even know. Yeah. Also, no. or I'm sorry. What woman has a high libido after their 30? God. <laughs> oh God, don't say that because that's just gonna make me think. Like, just kidding. This is it. <laughs> just kidding. We have such high libido. You hit a certain number of miles. <laughs> no. And now it's no mass. No, it'll it'll come back around. It's always something, especially then with getting on birth control. It's just always something. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, for women, it, I just feel like it's treated like. Like, I remember I saw this one doctor, this was like two years ago, and she tried one supplement, and the supplement didn't work, and then I waited six months to get back on her schedule, and then when she, when I told her the supplement didn't work, she goes, have you tried telling your husband what you like? Oh my And God. I just started rage crying. Like, oh total. I have never felt by a woman so dismissed, have this symptom be like totally minimized, it's like, oh, have you tried using your voice? Oh my God. Fuck her. <laughs> I, I wish that's something that you could report. It's like not... I know. Le- you know, she didn't do anything legally wrong besides just be a fucking bitch. <laughs> Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> what happened to doctors in Bedside Manor and why do they not, like, have courses in that? Because it is so rare to find a doctor with good Bedside Manor. I mean, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole for too long. Yeah, we I do will. think part of it... <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is, like, insurance companies and how, like... I would imagine a lot of doctors don't have, they're so rushed every day to see a certain number of people. I mean, it's like one after the next, after the next, you know, it's like you're on this um, conveyor belt, True. right? Where you have to see, but you have to see it for a certain number of minutes and the next and next and next. And I think in, insurance companies have dictated how. See, my thought is like, they must be so intelligent that they lose like how to normally converse with someone and more mm. of the emotional intelligence because they're so book smart. I think so. that's just from Grey's Anatomy. Well, <laughs> the surgeons. I did like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> okay, we'll move along. Yeah, you are Rose and My Rose and Thorn. So my baby just turned one, and that's both a rose and a thorn, because <laughs> obviously. Um, I would say it's a rose because all of our family was together. The in-laws, my parents, um, nothing blew up in our face. Amazing. So I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah. My thorn... You know what my thorn is, Amanda. Yeah, it was a we thorn for me as were well. so excited to have our watch party for red, white, and royal blue. Mm. So, for any of you that don't know, that is a gay romance. It's one of my favorites. I don't know the author. We could look it up really fast, but it's a gay romance novel that we have both read, and we loved the novel. And so we were so excited for the movie to come out. And I'm sorry, but it was a fucking disappointment. Yeah. They... Casey McQuiston. Casey McQuiston. You wrote a wonderful book. Casey. You wrote a wonderful book. I don't think I've ever read a gay romance before that, and I did really enjoy mm. it. You know, it didn't necessarily give me jolts like it gave you. Oh, my God. But it, I enjoyed Casey. it. Casey. <laughs> oh, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but the movie was just disappointing. They shied away from all the sex scenes. like, mm-hmm. And honestly, it was just a little boring. I thought it dragged on. And I thought the things that made it really special in the book was just, like, completely missing in the movie. Yeah. You know? So, that was my thorn. I know. I felt the same way. And I have been... I read this book during the thick of COVID. I think when the book first came out, Mm. I read it all night, like, didn't sleep, had to finish it, was obsessed with it, and then Googled it. And I think soon after I read it, they announced they were going to make a movie. So, I have been waiting literal years for this movie to come out. I obsessively watched all the trailers. I thought, like, the casting was amazing. I was so pumped. And it just felt like, yeah, I hated Because I even told you when we sat down, I'm like, if they fucking do the pan thing whenever they're about to have, like, sex or blowjobs, whatever, 
when they like subtly pan the camera away. They did that in Call Me By Your Name, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, you don't do this in any other movie, but because it's two men, suddenly you have to pan slowly away. And that's and exactly they what did they it. did. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I mean, there was like that, they, they did show some, not, they didn't show like penetration, obviously. No. But like when they do have sex. Yeah. They, they show the intimacy of that, which I was like, okay, good on yeah. you guys. But I don't know. It still felt like, like washed down. Yeah. And one of the characters had such terrible makeup on. Oh it looked like he was supposed to be in Twilight. <laughs> I have no idea what they were doing, but they whitewashed that white boy <laughs> even more. And it was terrible. Like we, I don't know if they're really trying to push the point that he was British. That <laughs> like very pale <laughs> and completely opposite of the other lead male character yeah. but it just missed the mark that was very weird that was weird yeah i mean i'll probably watch it again yeah let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> but i'll stop it probably around the same parts where i stopped the book too because i've reread i reread the book all the time yeah but i always stop it when it starts to kind of hit a lull yeah so i'll just do the same thing with the movie because they were pretty hot yeah they are hot i will yeah. agree yeah all right guys it's time you've heard us discuss this as our rose and thorn in previous episodes <laughs> because we're so annoying and repeat ourselves that much but we are finally doing fourth wing we are we are super pumped this is fourth ring by rebecca yeros i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly i think you are okay good so fourth wing is a romanticy that's what we call it a romantic fantasy mm-hmm. which is our favorite genre agreed we just haven't done it yet because they're typically more lengthy books yeah did you read fantasy before you started reading romanticies no. Me neither. I mean, Twilight. Does that count? Everyone read that's, Twilight. That's still a romantic twist, though. But yes, true. No, I don't think I've ever... I'm sorry. Fantasy without sex? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why would someone write such a thing? Literally, what is the point of that? <laughs> that was... I can't believe you asked me that. So sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, there's a lot of detail to this book, and we're going to do our best to just give you... A descriptive overview and not get bogged down into every detail. Mm-hmm. So, this book is set at a war college in a fictional land called Navarre, and there are four quadrants at the college healers, scribes, infantry, and riders. So, our main female character, Violet, has studied her entire life to be in the scribe quadrant like her late father, but now she's being forced at the very last minute to enter the most dangerous quadrant of them all, which is the rider's quadrant. This is the most elite quadrant, and her mother is the commanding general, and she's the one forcing Violet on this path, literally the morning of, like an hour before everyone is supposed to go off to their quadrants. So Violet's older sister and brother both went into this quadrant, but as I said, it's the deadliest of them all, and people typically train their entire lives not only to make it into the quadrant on day one, but to stay alive throughout the entire training process. So if it's so deadly, why do people want to join? Well, if you make it through the entire training process, you have the potential to gain what is known as the biggest honor, which is bonding with a dragon. So the whole reason it's called the Rider's Quadrant is because it's, you know, the Dragon Rider's Quadrant. That's what it stands for. A side note about why forcing violent Violent. Oh. Ah, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Oh, <laughs> uh, her nickname is Violent. But anyways. <laughs> a side note about why forcing Violet into this quadrant is extra crazy is because she actually has a disorder where her connective tissue is really weak. So she's always getting injured and everything physically is much harder for her to do, mm-hmm. let alone everything physically that she's going to have to do here. So she's really small. She's <laughs> honestly pretty weak. Yeah, I'm just thinking like as a scribe, she's getting injured all of the time. Yeah. Her body can't handle reading books, let alone like joining this dragon rider. Yeah, where you're like literally sex. fighting for your life every day. Yeah. Both and. against outside forces and also your your quadrant. Yep, your own peers. Mm-hmm. So, Violet makes it through the first test and enters the rider's quadrant, which is honestly such a great scene, but we're not going to get into it. But she is immediately spotted by an arch rival named Zayden. So Violet and Zayden, they don't actually know each other, but they're innately rivals because Zayden's father led a rebellion against Navarre years prior, and Violet's mom killed him. Also, Zayden's dad killed Violet's older brother. So there's lots of murder with each other's families, and therefore they hate each other, immediately rivals. 
Um, but important to note, Zayden, who is the male lead of the book, is sexy as fuck. Oh my god. You're immediately oh just like... Oh my god. Ugh. Yes. He's like surrounded by shadows. He like wields them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating. I gotta take the blanket off. Take, just the, take, the, baby, take the baby's blanket off you. <laughs> Woo. Um, she also, on the opposite end, has her best friend over there named Dane. They were friends their whole lives growing up. Of course, he is shocked to see her and freaks out. Like, why are you here? You can't be here. You're going to die. We need to get you to the scribe quadrant. So she tries to stick with Dane and avoid avoid Zayden, which you can guess doesn't actually work. <laughs> so the book goes into Violet and Zayden's difficult relationship throughout the months of schooling, training, and many, many students dying as they try to make it through this training. So eventually she makes it to the culmination of all her hard work at the main event called the Threshing, which is where the remaining students will hopefully pair with a dragon and become bonded for life. When you bond with a dragon, it means that they only speak to you through a mind connection bond and you get a special power. So as you can imagine, Violet becomes a super badass throughout this book. So she ends up bonding with two dragons Tarn and Andarna, and number one, that's completely unheard of. Mm-hmm. No one's bonded with two dragons before. And Tarn is the most powerful dragon of all who hasn't bonded with a dragon in. With a rider. Oh, sorry, exactly. Yeah. In and, like years. In years and years and years. So this yeah. is totally crazy and wild. Now, to make things even more complicated, Tarn and Zayden's dragon, Sigale, no idea how you say that name, are mated. So, it just brings Violet and Zayden even closer because both of their dragons are mated, a.k.a. in love. So, Violet and Zayden have to get closer and closer because their dragons are. Well, yeah, and there's also, like, qualities that come with that. Like, when you're bonded with a dragon, right, you you mind fuse with them so you can hear, you can speak to them, right, telepathically. But now because they're bonded to mated dragons, now Zayden and Violet are fused telepathically as well. And they can hear each other. Exactly. Which we'll get into later. So basically they're forced to start interacting with each other more and more and Zayden takes on the responsibility of training her, which he says he's doing out of necessity, but of course the more they're together, the more the sexual tension builds and we all know they're falling for each other. Eventually they have sex. It's super hot. Mm -hmm. We will get into that. (laughs) But yeah, it's important to note that the dragon and the rider's lives are bonded. So it's super important to know that if the dragon dies, the rider will die. So the connection is really important. That's why Zayden says he's going to train Violet because if they don't make it through, their dragons are in trouble, everyone's lives could go to shit, basically. <laughs> so I.E. end. I, exactly. So now we're in this interesting relationship slash not relationship between Violet and Zayden where they clearly both have feelings for each other but not acting on it. And meanwhile, Violet's power is taking a while to manifest that she's getting from Tarn, but eventually it does, and she's revealed to have the power of wielding lightning, which is a really, really powerful and highly coveted power because of what she could do in battle. Um, But she's struggling to get a grasp of how to control it. And so the final test of the year is upon them, called War Games, and they're split into groups where Zayden and Violet go together with with a bunch of other students who also happen to be the children of rebels, like Zayden is. Remember, his dad had led that rebellion. So these are other children whose parents had been part of that rebellion. Something I had kind of skimmed over about the rebel children is that there's lots of rules about them at school. For example, they're not supposed to gather in groups larger than three, and everyone is pretty wary of them because of the sins of their parents. And they were actually all forced to be in the writer's quadrant to prove their loyalty to Navarre Mm -hmm. after their parents rebelled. So throughout this time, Violet's gotten to know a lot of them and become friends with them. She doesn't feel like anything they're doing is wrong. Obviously, we know she's close to Zayden, so she goes with him, not thinking anything of it. They head off one way, whereas Dane, remember that's her friend, and there's been a little bit of a love triangle this whole time. Dane leads the rest of the team elsewhere. And it's here where Violet learns that Zayden has been betraying her, learning that him and his rebel friends have secretly been flying out to this town for months and providing weapons to the kingdom's enemies 
So she realizes she really doesn't know Zayden at all. And that's when they receive a letter from the school saying, quote, their mission is to survive if they can, a.k.a. the school real has realized what they've been doing, and this was a total setup, mm-hmm. and basically they hope that all of them are going to die. And Yeah, I feel like it's revealed here that their world is so protected from what's going on outside, that you know, these, these creatures that exist, these tensions that exist, uh, the ongoing war that's going on, everything, they're sheltered from all of that, and they're kept, um, like so much information is kept from them. So she's been given this narrative that the rebellion is over, and that, Everything's you know, safe. Yes. Um, and now that she's with Zayden, now that they're on this mission, it's become clear to her, like, oh my god, there's so much that my mom has lied to me about, there's so much that the other students don't know about, there's so much that's been minimized, and now Zayden, the person I've trusted more than anyone, yeah, I don't even know who he is. Exactly. And grappling with the fact that even though he's clearly betrayed her with all these lies, it seems like he's on the right side of everything yeah. by trying to protect everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's a struggle, and of course... She really has no other option besides trying to fight with them and help. The final ending of the book, once they leave the battle, is something that we've decided not to spoil for you. Yes. It is a big shocker. Mm-hmm, so sure just is. in case you haven't read the book and you want to, or this episode makes you want to read the book even more, we're going to just leave that for you to explore yourself. Overall, what did you think? I freaking loved this book. I loved it. I feel like I hadn't read a fantasy book that I super loved in a while. Mm. So sad that it's the only one out. I've heard that she says there's going to be five total in the series, which is just depressing because it's going to take like at least five years. Yeah, you There's think. no way they're doing more than one book a year. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of rereading. But I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, although, interestingly, I've read a lot of Reddit threads about how much they hated it. Really? Yeah, they're like, this isn't even fantasy. This is like total YA romance with like pretending to be in a fantasy land just because you add dragons in there doesn't make it fantasy. Okay, fine. Which is true, <laughs> but like, I don't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'll bet Rebecca is crying her eyes out and she's counting her millions of dollars. Like, oh, <laughs> this it's is not so traditional sad. fantasy. You fucking Reddit users. <laughs> also, is it so embarrassing to say that I'm on Reddit? No, that's cool. I think people have to understand for the books that we read, the only place to connect with other people is Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Not after this podcast. Yeah, exactly. We're bringing it to the mainstream. We're bringing it. So yeah, I loved it. What about you? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought the pacing was really good. Um, I was totally hooked on the um, the slow burn. I also love a good love triangle. Yeah. So one thing that was like a little bit, you know, it's an important part, but not super necessary for the synopsis was just the love triangle between um dane zayden and violet yeah which i thought was done really well i mean you reach a certain point where you're like dane go fuck yourself but in the beginning it's like oh like i kind of see where he's coming from totally which we'll get into in a little bit um yeah i thought it was fantastic oh i love when we both love something i know okay shall we start with the questions yes okay question number one what was your favorite sex scene and why okay so the fact is, is there actually is not that many sex scenes in the book, Mm-mm. which as the type of reader I am, <laughs> a little challenging, but it made the sex scenes all the sweeter. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to say that my favorite was the first time they had sex. And this happens like pretty close to the end of the book. And it's after a time where she accidentally kills someone using her lightning power, except don't be sad about it because she killed, like, a total deserving asshole. He was, like, a sociopath who wanted to murder her. Yeah, he had tried to murder her numerous times, but this was an accident when she killed him, but, like, good riddance. (laughs) So she's all worked up. Bob Ross would call it a happy accident. (laughs) Who calls it that? Bob Ross, the painter. Oh, wouldn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So they finally are about to do it, and... I'm going to read some quotes because... Ooh. <laughs> I know. Um, well, number one, the sex scene is just hot as fuck. Like, there's mind connection involved. There's breaking of furniture. There mm. is just, like, the passion is amazing. Yeah. But something I love is, so Zayden is still kind of fighting it. Like, you don't want this. You don't want this. Like, you're going to regret this in the morning. And she keeps saying, like, don't tell me what I want. Like, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Which I, I like her power. So, this is happening for a little bit. And... She says, unless you don't want me, because she's like, why is he fighting this? And 
He says, I always fucking want you. He groans as I squeeze. Then he lifts his head, seizes my gaze with his, and I recognize the wild need in those gold-flecked depths. It mirrors my own. You walk into a room and I can't look away. I get anywhere near you and this is what happens. Instantly hard. Fucking hell, I can barely think when you're around. He rocks his hips into my hand and my grip tightens along his stomach. Wanting you is not the problem here. Okay. I literally wrote that entire No, you quote did not. In my notes. No, you yes. did not. <gasps> uh-huh. Okay. So you tell me why, why did that stand out to you? That is literally the quote that I was like, oh, I have to read this. <laughs> so I'll write you the little note that I have is, I love how demanding she is. He gives her every reason to say no, but homegirl wants that Zayden D. <laughs> and then she says at one point, stop being so fucking honorable and fuck me, Zayden. And then my note says, she says it for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love that. She really does say it for all of us. The reason I love that passage is just like, I, you know me, when a guy could just finally fucking admit how badly he wants you, mm-hmm. and he's been fighting this so hard to finally say it. Like, you know, basically he like brings her hand down to his dick which is rock hard and that's when he says like I always fucking want you you walk into a room I'm instantly hard yeah. just like hearing all these little admissions mm-hmm. whereas before he's never given her anything besides like looks of disdain right you know what I mean and yeah. to hear all these admissions of like I literally am obsessed with you I like, can't even look at you oh yeah it like harkens back to like Mr. Fixer Upper like some of these books where it's like in real life, do I want the guy I love to have, like, an erection at all times in, in public around me? Probably not, just because, like, probably not. But in fantasy world, do I want to know he has an erection every time I sneeze? Uh-huh. 100%. I it's the sexiest sneeze do. he's ever seen. I'm insulted if you don't. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's super hot. It's the I mean, sneeze he's ever seen. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, in my notes for this one, I have, um... Uh, there's grinding, fingering, heavy petting, dirty talk, penetration, a cornucopia of positions. Exactly. And, like, yeah. she can hear his mind saying, look at you, you're so fucking beautiful. Mm, I mean. Love that. Imagine hearing someone's thoughts like that. Yeah. You just know it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I really liked about this one, um, for my fellow Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, <laughs> um, it's very season six um, smashed. When Buffy and Spike, this means nothing to you. No. But Buffy and Spike, they finally get together. I mean, this is like years of like, talk about enemies to lovers. Um, And they have sex for the first time in a house that's falling down around them. It's like this abandoned house. So they're like fucking up against a wall and the wall starts to crash down on them. So then she'll push him over to the floor. They start fucking on the floor. The floor fall. I mean, it's like the whole house. is just collapsing. Collapses around them. And they are not stopping. Yes. And that's what happens in the bedroom they yeah. like they fuck on a desk the desk breaks he throws around the bureau the bureau breaks yeah Ugh. Ugh, amazing so hot amazing what's your favorite I feel like I answered your question for you. I'm glad you did <laughs> I was really passionate about these sex scenes <laughs> um my so I love the first time they hook up yeah um talk about bad 90s or early aughts tv shows it reminded me of do you remember that show did you ever watch um dark angel with no. Jessica Alba. No. Oh my God. It's so bad, but so good. But basically these, she is like this superhuman who has like cat DNA in her. And every once in a while she goes through heat. So she just needs to like have sex with, like grind up against anything that comes her way. And that's what this scene reminds me of. So both Zayden and um, Violet, they are feeling the horniness of their dragons because their dragons are having sex. So then they are basically like in heat next to each other because they're like feeling all of the intensity of like arousal and all that and they're trying to fight it and then finally they give into it and it's like really hot. But so they just hot. hook up. They just make up. I mean, you know how much I love a grind against a wall. I know. There was no thigasm, but like could have the foundation was there. The foundation was laid. Yeah. A it little was a oversight. Super hot kiss. A little oversight. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca, add a thigasm in your next book, please. Yes. yes. Um, but my favorite was when they have sex for the second, third, fourth, going on fifth time. Um, and this was after reunification day, which um, in the book is the day that celebrates the end of the rebellion. Um, but for people like Zayden, it's a day that celebrates basically the mass slaughtering of their families. So Zayden is really depressed. Um, Violet looks for him, finds him um, in kind of like a precarious position. He's out on that, I forget what it's called, but like the... Parapet? Yeah. 
parapet? <laughs> the fuck that means? It's a bridge. Okay, he's out on the bridge. A bridge suspended in the air, and if you would drop, you would die. Okay, yeah. So he's, like, being super emo out there, and she finds him and takes him back to his room and, like, starts taking care of him and for the first time tells him that she loves him. And that just, like, completely moved him because this whole time he's been telling her time and time again, like, you don't love me, you don't know me, I'm not good for you. Like, he's trying to keep that distance from her because he knows ultimately he's te- not betraying her, but not being totally honest about like, what yeah. he's doing. And she basically just, like, lays it all out there. Like, is totally honest with him about her feelings. They have, which I want to get into later, but they have, she just has this, like, really honest... Um, vulnerable conversation of like I love you and I know you love me but I'm not gonna rush you but I need you to know like you know I'm here for you and that completely opens him up and they have a ton of sex yeah and he goes down on her and we are big fans of that yes we are um and then they go for five orgasms and then they get um interrupted on the fifth one which I'm like good for you these kids and their stamina (laughs) these 19 year olds Slow clap. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, it sounds terrible. But also, if you got it, go for it. <laughs> Give yourself a break the next day. Okay. Yeah. Take an Epsom salt yeah. bath. Maybe a couple Advil. <laughs> yeah, so those are those are all of the Those are all the sex scenes. Middle, which I actually love. This was like a real slow burn. This was a true slow burn. Amanda's yeah. bread and butter. <laughs> I'm like, bring it on a little bit more. <laughs> I was thinking about you because I saw this thing on Reddit, this thread where someone was like, does anyone else skip all the sex scenes in romance books because uh, it just like gets in the way of the story? And I'm like, sorry, sorry, there's a story? Literally, what the? (laughs) Does anyone else pick out the chocolate chips and their chocolate chip cookies? Because you just love fucking This person should be imprisoned. (laughs) Get out of this Reddit Why are you here? You are not a part of this community. (laughs) We don't take kindly questions like that Uh, anyway okay next question why do you think this book has gained so much popularity so quickly do you think it's the story the characters I mean I think it's a combination number one the romanticy community out there is big Mm -hmm. and there are only so many authors doing it and doing it well doing it well doing it well a captivating story Mm -hmm. love a slow burn romance hot sex yeah. plus mythical creatures <laughs> like you're asking for a lot you're asking for a lot yeah. and solid world building too yes exactly i mean the detail that goes into this world building mm-hmm. so i'm not surprised that it gained popularity so quickly because people are really looking for their next big fantasy book mm-hmm. and i just think she delivered yeah like it's not it's so much easier to go find a mystery novel there's a million and a half like and don't get me wrong, I love mysteries. But that's just a genre that's much easier to write, and mm-hmm. there's so many out there. And I just think it's really hard yeah. to find romanticies. I think one thing about romanticies that are becoming really popular right now are is, like, reading them, you could see the movie. Like, I think there's something different about how, like, the flow of some books now that it feels... It feels akin to, like, binging a really good TV show. Like, mm. I feel like shows are made now to binge. Yes. That they stream it, and you're just supposed to go next and next and next. Yeah. Um, and I feel like some of these books feel that way. That it's, like, they are designed with cliffhangers. They're designed in a way that you just, you can't put it down. You have to obsessively read to keep figuring out what happens Exactly. Next. I completely yeah. agree. There's so much action. There's so many cliffhangers. And they do, like, she just, that's buildup of sexual tension. Mm-hmm. You're just like, I can't put it down because I'm like, when is this happening? Yes, I need that dopamine oh burst. Oh my god, good to me. Yeah, give me that hit. Yes. Yeah. So, no, not surprised. Yeah. I also thought this book had like some familiar tropes, but some of them she turned on their head a little bit. Like, there's the trope of like the fish out of water, like she doesn't belong there, but in some of the books it's like fish out of water and everyone's against her and she has to like harden herself and she has to like fight and fight and can't trust anyone. And what I actually really liked about this book is like she made a lot of friends. Yeah. Like yeah, there were some people who were against her um, because they thought she was weak and therefore like a liability. But there was like this community that rallied around her, that helped her, that trained her. Yeah. And she was like open to connection. It, again, it wasn't like some guy had to like charm the pants off her. Like she wanted connection. She wanted love. Like it just, 
Yeah. It 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 just it was different. It was different. You know than what? Other that tropes. reminds me too. Obviously, the enemies to lovers trope, mm-hmm. but typically, the enemies to lovers trope like they have sex because of something, and that's when they start realizing that they like each other and seeing mm-hmm. the good in each other. But the sex was the last thing for them. Like. Yeah. They actually just really liked each other as human beings, even mm-hmm. though he was more the one trying to deny it and push her away. Mm-hmm. And she was able to admit fully what she was feeling and like, eh, now I want to have sex. <laughs> so, and she was like fully confident. One hundred percent. Like we're fucking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Dane Zayden love triangle? Is there any part of you that thinks Dane may have been a better fit? Yes. Yeah, so as a reminder, Dane is her best friend that she grew up with. And she is, like, so happy to see him there and to be with him. And he, at first, comes off as, like, the protector. Like, we have to get you out of here. You're going to die. Trying to get her to the squad quadrant. Um, And at first, she appreciates it. It very soon becomes much more toxic where it's, like, he doesn't believe in me at all. He's not listening to what I say when she's telling him, like, I want to be here. Let me do this. Like, I can do this. And he kind of goes you know, behind her back a few times to try to remove her, all, you know, quote, for the good of her and her life. Um, And eventually he ends up really betraying her, which is how the rebels are outed to the entire school for, like, what they're doing and the whole war game situation that actually ends up because of Dane. But anyways, the love triangle part. I mean, you're definitely attracted to Dane at first, too. Mm -hmm. I'm a sucker for a protective guy. Mm -hmm. Like... You're right. I am going to die. I'm a damsel. <laughs> Let's Rem- just make out about it. Remove me. <laughs> so, like, of course, did I like Dane? Yes. Did I easily see what this was going to turn into? Yes. I kind of wish they gave him a few more attributes that we really liked to make the love triangle a little bit more believable. Because yeah. it's, like, pretty early on, you're like, all right, Dane, fuck off. Like, you're annoying. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, I understand. I think it was come. At the same time, I do think it was always coming from a good place. Even if his yeah. mind is a little warped, like, and he should kind of believe in her more, I do think it was always for his need to protect her. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Because I think it, it reminds, this is one of the tropes that we've seen before. We saw this in um, these hollow vows. We saw this in Akatar. Like, at first, you see the protagonist in a really scary kind of, Um, precarious situation where her well-being is the concern right because we don't know her all we know is that she's super frail she is not equipped to be where she is and kind of obviously she's the lead of the book so you know she's not gonna get killed off but she's so small she couldn't even like get up on a dragon like how is she ever exactly she couldn't carry her backpack you know what I mean? like so you can kind of see like oh good she has someone there to protect her and that's really attractive. Also, you know, you know that she's been in love with him forever. Yeah. So if you've ever, like, loved a sibling's uh, friend or, you know, like an older kid growing up and as you're getting, you know, it just, I can totally relate to that. Like, you just totally have, you have all this reverence for this person and now yeah. finally they're looking at you. And it's like, oh, like, like th- it might happen, right, after yeah. all these years. And I love that storyline. I can totally, fo- I just obsessively watched and read the summer I turned pretty like I love that dynamic um but it is so interesting how quickly you fall into this this belief of oh he's he's acting this way because he wants to protect her and he knows what's best for her but when you take a step back you realize like oh god it's so belittling and it minimizes what someone's really capable of or what strengths they have exactly and then you're like oh that's it's kind of gross especially when you have Zayden, the complete opposite, being like, mm-hmm. you are capable. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to baby you. I'm not going to feel bad for you. No. You have to work and you have to train and yeah. kick ass. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dane. Fuck off. Yeah. I mean, I really li- I liked the love triangle. I thought it was interesting. And then at a certain point, it truly is a, all right, Dane. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like embarrassing. You're, you know? you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> We're all. No one here likes you. Cringing. I know. <laughs> How quickly you fall. But I also, it makes me feel bad because like we said, so much information about the outside world was is kept from these kids. Yeah. So he thinks he's doing the right thing, the dutiful thing. He's up against the child of uh, one of the main guys in the rebellion. So it's like, yeah. what the fuck this guy yeah. is against? Like, I totally get it, but um, it's not sexy. 
It's not sexy. Yeah, not up against Zayden. Zayden no. has shadows <laughs> and tattoos. <laughs> He's just hot. He's just hot. I'm sorry, Dane. Yeah. Um. Okay. If you had the ability to mentally fuse with a love interest or partner, would you? Oh it's important to keep in mind that just as you would have access to their thoughts, yeah. they'd have access to yours. Exactly. Which is why I'm going to have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it down, okay? <laughs> Honestly, women, I feel like you will mostly agree with me. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I could only hear his thoughts, I would be more inclined to say yes. Because not that I'm like some sexpert or sex wizard but like sex wizard sex wizard we're in fantasyville i'm like thinking yeah. of wizards and dragons and totally extraterrestrials so <laughs> but like we all know that women as women we feel much more insecure than i would believe men do and the things that we notice on ourselves that we're like ew and this and that like they just are worshiping us. They're like, oh my God, I get to have sex? Okay. And it's like way more exciting for them uh-huh. when we're like, oh no, my stomach looks bad at this angle. I can with 100% certainty say <laughs> that is not what they're thinking at all. So I actually think for all of us, it would be a really beautiful surprise to be like, oh my God, they just think I'm so hot. And like hearing all these thoughts from them during sex about how amazing we are and how hot we are. That's what I would like to think. That's, again, fantasy land. <laughs> But I'm going to say no because I definitely don't want him to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> nope, not there. Nope. No. found it last time. Nope, not place. that either. <laughs> Too far south. Too far south. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to say no. I think it's a oh. little too personal. <laughs> if I'm being nice. <laughs> What would you say? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I don't think I have as much of a romantic view of what men think as you do. <laughs> and I think let's keep the mystery alive. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, no, do I think, I do I think my partner is as critical of me as I am? No, I don't think he's like, oh, look at that little hair beneath her belly button. Gross. You know, like, <laughs> I can't she didn't pluck that stray hair. No, I don't think he's thinking about that shit at all. But I also, like, I don't need a glimpse behind the kimono on that one. You're <laughs> just so much more articulate than me. <laughs> that sentence made complete sense. I'm going to have the probably completely um, biased and not scientifically backed up belief that when guys have sex with me, they just <laughs> think it is hot as fuck, and that's that. <laughs> Basically, it's like having sex with Zayden. The whole time, he's just like, God, you're so beautiful. God, you're so sexy. God. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think... And I'm, I'm just sure... going to choose to believe that. <laughs> I want you to live in that world. Thank you. I'm going to live in that space. Yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm healthy enough to think that yet. <laughs> but I'll get there. But yeah, you know what? I think sex is intimate enough. We do not need to add the extra level of intimacy that is hearing your partner's thoughts. I also just feel like half the time I'm just thinking like, don't fart, don't fart, don't fart, don't fart. Don't fart. <laughs> yeah, we just see we we don't want your husband to know that. <laughs> that's one hundred percent. I'm kind of thinking like, when can I read again? <laughs> you don't want him to think of all the characters you're running through your mind. Yeah, I'm like, make sure you say his name. Not the character's name. Oh, Risa. <laughs> Zayden. <laughs> uh, so it's for everyone's best interest that we keep these thoughts in our own little noodles. <laughs> Do not say noodle ever again. <laughs> Don't word police me when I'm being vulnerable. <laughs> okay. Last question. Okay. What did you think of Violet as the protagonist? In what ways did she feel familiar? And in what ways did she stand out compared to other protagonists? Okay. Well, I think this is interesting. You know, as the lead character, she has this disability. And I don't think we often see disabilities represented in in these books. So I thought that was super cool. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't know if they ever, like, put a name to it. 
or not. Like, I couldn't I say remember. what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked how she had this this disability that already put her at a disadvantage. Um, and I really liked her tenacity about overcoming it. I thought what was really refreshing is how much she knows her own feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. isn't scared to say that to Zayden. Like, she says to him, I know I'm falling for you. I'm going to risk my heart right now because I'm choosing to. I want to. I'm letting you know this. Let's have sex. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not repressing it from herself. She's not repressing it from him either. She's deciding for herself that, like, I might get my heart broken if he doesn't feel the same way, but I'm still going to be honest with him and myself, and this is what I want. Yeah. So I really appreciated that there wasn't so much of this, like, agonizing back and forth and, like, lying to myself that he's not this great and I don't really like him. She's like, no, here are my feelings. Mm -hmm. This is what's up. Yeah. So I thought that was different than what typically we see happening. Related to that, I also liked that they didn't... I feel like a trope that does come up in a lot of these books is that the girls are normally virgins. I don't think that's an issue, but I like that she wasn't a virgin. And it's not... It's alluded to once where she's like... God, I miss having sex. Yes. And then that's it. And it's not, because I think in a lot of these books, it's like, then it's like this big deal when she chooses a guy to have sex with, and they're like, are you sure? And then they slowly penetrate, and it hurts for a second. And then the pleasure comes in, which is like, whose experience was that? Yeah. Um, But this one, like, sex just, I mean, everyone was fucking. Yeah. You know, and everyone was fucking all different genders. Like, there was no judgment of any of that. Yeah. And then same with her, like... It wasn't like, oh man, like Zayden's gonna be the one to take my virginity. You know, no. it was just like, no, I really like him. We have really strong feelings for one another, and I'm turned on by him, and I want to fuck him. And it was like, that's such a good point. Yeah, I've been reading a series where it's all about like how important her virginity is, Ugh, and I hate that. this is a nice reprieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the only thing she's coveted for is like the fact that she's a virgin. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's like a really fucked up book in a lot of ways, so. <laughs> right that up your is, alley. That is just one of them. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I really liked that she knew what she wanted. Um, there's this, and there's this one moment of ambivalence that um, I actually wrote down because I just loved it so much, and it's, they've had sex, they're kind of flirting, he's already said, like, we're not going to be in a relationship together, um, and she's like, well, you know, she keeps telling him, like, then I can't. I can't have sex with you because I can't separate sex and love, right? And she just says it so bluntly. Yeah. No games. And then there's kind of this moment where she's thinking it through because he's, like, really pushing it, like, kind of, like, flirting super hard. And she says, fuck it. I can have him, right? I can take exactly what he's offering and enjoy every single movement. We can shred every piece of furniture in this room and then move to his. But where would this leave us in the morning? Right here, both wanting and only one of us brave enough to take it. And I deserve more than a relationship that's only on his terms. And then she says to him, you don't get to dictate how I feel, so we're not doing this again until I want to risk my heart. And if I fall, that's my problem, not yours. You're not responsible for my choices. And as I was reading, because I was thinking, like, where the fuck was this voice when I was in my early 20s? Mm. Where it was like, yeah, you can acknowledge that you, you want someone and you kind of want to pursue something, but pursuing it is going to be fruitless, right? Yeah. If they're not going to meet you halfway. Yeah. So instead of putting yourself in these positions to be taken advantage of or giving yourself to someone who's just taking and not reciprocating, you can actually just say no. And you can feel emboldened by that. Exactly. To be able to admit both to yourself and to him, like, I can't separate sex and feelings. Yeah. So I can't do this. And that's not embarrassing. No. It's not shameful. It doesn't make you weak or like a girl. Exactly. Yeah. I loved that. I just... I, I, God, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I just think... And she's not, like, fighting him. She's not blaming him or name-calling. She's just kind of laying out where she's coming from. And yeah. I just I just loved her. I thought she was such a fantastic yeah. protagonist. Violet, a.k.a. Violence. Violence, that he called her. Yeah. Violence. Oh, what a sexy little nickname. <laughs> <laughs> what would Zayden's nickname be? Zay Zay? Ew. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nope. Just Zayden. Just Zayden. I don't even like Zay. Zay? No, it's got to be Zayden. Zayden. Yeah. So what would you uh, give this book as a rating? Um, I would say sex scenes, like a nine. Okay. No, I'm going to say 8.5 because I loved the slow burn, but then once they really have sex, then it's kind of like glossed over a little bit. Okay. I could use like a little bit more detail. Yeah. Um, but as a book, 
I would say nine. I'm in complete agreement. I could use more sex. I could use more detail. So I'll, I'll stick with eight and a half. Mm-hmm. And I would give it a nine overall because it was great, but it's just really hard to get to a ten. I know. So I think a nine is generous. Yeah. We need to start reading books that we don't like. Because all of our ratings are like eights, nines, and tens. I don't really want to read books that I don't like. <laughs> I also don't want to like shit on someone's. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> of work. <laughs> that I don't care. <laughs> but like, why would I force myself to read something I don't like? We want to give good ratings. That's true. Although this next book that we're reading for next time, yeah, neither of us has read. Yes, it's called Rush by Maya Banks. It's book one of the Breathless trilogy. Yeah. My mom's friend recommended it. It's her favorite author. So shout out to you. I won't say your name just yeah. in case. <laughs> I feel like we should call her like one of our listeners. Yes. She is one of our listeners. Friend. She's amazing. We would send her our episodes before we uh, ever were publishing them just for her to give us some feedback. And yeah, like our she's first been amazing. So we are going to read Maya Banks as one of her favorite authors. So we've chosen. Rush by Maya Banks. That will be next week's episode. It will, yes. So we hope you'll read it and join us. Yeah, if you have any questions, any thoughts, send us an email, eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, eroticallyneuroticpodcast. <laughs> I know our names. <laughs> We've got to look and double check. All right, well, we will see you next time. Perfect. Love you. Love you. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of our Erotically Neurotic community. Don't forget to email your book recommendations, book club questions, and or any erotic stories, embarrassing moments, or sexual triumphs you want to share. Email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at eroticallyneuroticpodcast. Hi there, Amanda here. I think it's worth noting that any and all thoughts shared in these episodes are a reflection of my own personal and constantly evolving opinions, and not that of my profession or licensing board. While I am a therapist, I am not your therapist. Therefore, nothing I say in this podcast should be taken as therapy advice or guidance. Thank you so much for being a part of our sexy book club, and tune in next week for our next episode.